From the Library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Go online. I am your host, James Law Jr. This is my first show for the network, and I'm very excited to join the folks here at Book Circle Online. This is a great network with interviews with your favorite authors. Oh, and let me already... That was on. I just said about the time. There we go. Now we got it. Um, you can follow us on YouTube and on Facebook under Book Circle Online. We have some great authors uh, interviews on there. You should check those out. And then we're also on Twitter at Book Circle On. That's at Book Circle On for news and updates and things from our channel. Also, you can follow me at Black Hope LA. And that's B-L-A-K-H-O-P-E-L-A on Twitter and James Law Jr. everywhere else. For my first interview on the network, I had to pick somebody big. <laughs> I picked a legend. A legend. Please. He's a pioneer. One of the pioneers of the West Coast hip-hop rap scene. Um, here in Los Angeles especially. When you think of World Class Wrecking Crew, NWA, Michelle, look to him. He discovered Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. Yeah. I mean, hello. Yeah. I saw them in concert 30 years ago. Wow. Crazy. When I was like two years old. Just kidding. <laughs> um, his book is called Not Without Alonzo. A greatly, a great title. It's a great book that really talks about from his perspective what went on those early days. And we're going to get into it. I'm so excited. Alonzo Williams. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Good. Glad to be here, Doc. Finally made it, man. Finally made it. Yeah. Got a little lost. A little things yeah. going on. In LA, if you don't live in LA, we have a street that's really long and has different parts to it. And it's, you know, it's, it's very crazy. confusing because I'm used to the other end of Coenga and, uh, I'm, I turned around. I made the U-turn. I'm like, huh, there's Coenga right here. I might just take it back to see what happens, man. I'm, yes. I'm funny like that, but go yes. ahead. Let's do but this. But you made it. I mean, I would wait for you two or three hours. Ah. It's it good. I'm, I really am having a full circle moment. Thank you for coming. I'm I really, glad to be I really, here. Really appreciate glad that. to be here. Um, how do you feel about the resurgence of this 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 time period of West Coast rap? It's happening all over. It's out of Compton and everything. You know, I uh, I really appreciate it, man, because it gives it gives me a chance to uh, to show off for my grandkids, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, granddaddy, you and, and, and hey, I'm a granddad. I got five grandkids. I got three kids too. I got four. I got three. I got three. You know, and yeah. uh, and it's man, you know, it's uh, it's like you, you tell them these stories, but when they see somebody playing you on the silver oh, yeah. screen, they're like. Yeah. Granddaddy, you did. Yeah, I told you. Okay, it's validation because they don't believe you. Okay, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's. I'm having a ball, man. Yeah. I'm having a. I'm having a stone ball. Yeah, and when you saw yourself, when you saw yourself on screen, how did it feel? You know, um, it was really off the chain. I I, I met Corey doing the shoot. Okay, okay I happened good. to I happened to be in the area. One of my buddies was oh. an extra. On, okay, on 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 the, on the movie shoot, and he called me, Lonzo. You need to come down to the set. I'm coming down there. I don't, I don't do the groupy thing. I'm yeah, not yeah, that, that ain't yeah. Lonzo. Yes. And I'm like, come on, man. You need to come do this. Do that. They're playing you. Do it. My buddy's a comedian. Okay. okay. He's always messing with me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah man. He got on the shirt, the jerry curl, everything. <laughs> yeah, right, man. Dude, Lonzo, I'm telling you, I swear on everything. Come down here now. So I said, boy, if I go down there and you lying and we get out and I can't find him. I said, all right. Okay. Dude, I told you about this. Yeah. No, 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 no. For real, for real, for real. So they, they were at lunch and we leave the location and yeah. go to the area where the lunch trucks were yeah. and uh, I see this trailer with my name on it I'm like why is my name my on name this <laughs> maybe he's you know and all of a sudden uh, the guy turned the corner the guy turned the corner his name is Corey Reynolds yeah. uh, and yeah. he turned the corner I'm like oh man 
you know, and contrary to the movie, I'm a sensitive cat, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> contrary yeah, to the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, for real. And he came out in a Lonzo 80s shirt wow. with the Jerry it curl. It back, didn't it? Man, I'm saying, I had to sit down. I, I got some video. I got, We have a video clip of us sitting there talking. I had to sit down, and, man, it just, it just blew me away, wow. man, you know, wow. to be uh, to be remembered, you know, and be respected. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, man, I, had, I never saw the script. I said, okay. man, how, how are they portraying me? Because... I could be a I could be a hard I could be hard to work with yes, sometimes. Okay? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. he said, "Man, they portraying you as a a hard a hard business man that's by this money." Mm-hmm. Okay? You were, they did it. They good. And I'm like, "Okay, cool. I can roll with that." Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with that. Because you are, yeah. you were, and I you are. I am. <laughs> and it was funny. And in this book, which I just gonna keep promoting this, it came out um, 2015, so it's recent. You really were honest. I felt from your perspective, you talked about all kinds of stuff and broke it down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. each chapter breaks down different things that went on, and and I, what I liked about your book was that also you were honest about maybe some mistakes you may have made yeah. and things like that. You don't want to talk about those kind of things, but you talked about them. No, look here, I, I tell anybody, man, if you, I'm, I'm from the old school. If you gonna be a real dude. If you throw somebody under the bus, be prepared to call in there with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he got tire tracks, I got to have tire tracks too. Okay. Simple right. as that. Right. right. We both going to be smelling fumes. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and try to make myself yeah. out to be no, you know, yeah. angel because I'm not. Right. Okay. And that's kind of my brand. It's keeping mm-hmm. it real. And, uh, and you that do was, books, you do. And that was, the, that, that was the original brand of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hip hop was all about keeping it real being real being true to yourself mm-hmm. and at some point in time that got a, kind of got co-opted yeah sure because back the early we spent, we, East Coast and West Coast early right. rap was all about being real it was about it, not just about the streets just about being yourself what you're going through right it was kind yeah. of it was kind of emotional in some ways. In very, a way, right. very much so you know it's it was uh, it was designed to ignite the thought patterns of people on both coasts you know hey man let's do this I mean in the very beginning, it was very, very political. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If that's what you were into, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, at some point in time, it kind of changed. Yeah. You know, it became more about the bling bling and yeah. lying about how much money you got. And come on, man, I, I still do showcases. I see guys. I mean, I'm rolling this. Dude, you got the bus? <laughs> what are you telling me? That? Why are you doing these hip hop lives? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny because you, I mean, you really talk about it. And so, how you know? How proud of you are now? Because we talked about this in the book too a little bit. Just how proud that the West Coast is getting its due, its rap due in history. You know, West Coast. There's not any movies about West Coast hip hop other than Boys in the Hood. Yep. Okay. Right. Or that's not even about hip hop. You know, no, they, but they, they had Breaking, and you know, yeah. they had all those movies back yeah. in the '80s yeah. for East Coast hip hop, yeah. and uh, we didn't have the same thing because most of us. Most most people don't understand about West Coast artists. Most of us are into entrepreneurs. We were forced to be entrepreneurs because nobody believed in our music. Mm -hmm. So we had to go out and do it ourselves. And once we were successful, then that's when all the labels came in knocking on, hey, let me have some of that. Bring something over Mm -hmm. here. And, you know, Labels like Ruthless, you know, they blew up to the, they blew up to the next level. Right. And Crew Cut, we did pretty good, but mm-hmm. we didn't do no like we didn't do it like Ruthless did. Okay, <laughs> and you talk about that too. The book you talk about in the book, uh, yeah, exactly. As y'all talk about um, this one, you actually say something. That I'm going to bring. I want to. I want to read this. So this is really brief. You brought this up. I thought this was a really, 
real statement that that's, that's that you that you say that's I think it's really important. I want you to elaborate on. Uh, you talk about Don McMillan and McCullough Records, right? And you said because you talk about him in the book, okay. you, well, you give a three dimensional view of him, but you say he showed us. I know this sounds totally insane for me to say this right now, but without Don, there would have been no West Coast hip-hop scene. He showed most of us how to make and distribute records at a very expensive cost, but at that time, there was no school. Right. So, I mean, there was, just elaborate on that, because Don was, it was instrumental in your life, of course, back then. You know, Don, I said in the book as well, Don was the best and worst thing to happen to us. You know, we he gave us an opportunity to turn our music into a wax physical product Mm -hmm. we learned how we learned how to literally make records from don okay i mean he was kind of (laughs) lazy so we we would bring him to masters go down to greg lee and get your plates made take your plates over the soil so get you and get your lacking first you had to get you once you left the recording studio you had to go to um I had to go to either Bernie Grubman or another mastering house to get your yeah. lacquers made. Okay. And then you had to go to Greg wow. Lee to get your plates made. Oh and God. then you had to go next door to Don to get your labels made. Oh and you had to write your own labels. Like, what? We that talk- we talking about computers. Computers were around. But they weren't but like. Nobody didn't really have a lot of no, computers back then. No, they okay? didn't. You were handwriting out labels. Yes. Graphics yes. were done with a stencils and a, 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 a ruler. I remember. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it was a whole different situation to go color. Was, oh my God! <laughs> to go have a colored jacket. If you notice, all my crew cut jackets in the early ages, early days were all one color. Yeah, because you couldn't afford two. <laughs> and these are the things that you yeah. know. When I see the evolution of the game and how easy it is to just go and just go to go to the guitar center, buy a program, oh, yeah. upload oh, yeah. it to your oh, computer, yeah. get some headphones and a microphone, you're done. And you know, I'm in love with the Coco or whatever the case may be. Okay, and the matter of this is on YouTube, it's yeah. on you know, yeah. it's on uh, iTunes, yeah. uh, uh, various SoundCloud, SoundCloud whatever know, the case so, yeah, may yeah, be. Yeah. And there is no footwork. And then oh. I understand that's one reason why we have the decline in the quality because there's no investment. No, it's true. The entry level is so low. I mean, with, for me to make a record, mm-hmm. it's minimum $2,000. Wow. To make a 12-inch, it costs $2,000. Wow. So if you didn't have a source of income that would allow you to have the discretionary income mm-hmm. to afford two thousand dollars, right, right, everybody couldn't everybody couldn't play the game, and that's, that's why true, right. you know I had a nightclub at a young age, yes, so you I, did. I was talk able, about that in the book too, yes. I had a nightclub, so I was making money, so I gave a shot. I gave it a shot, and because I did, everybody thought, oh, he made a, oh my god, he made a, he made records, yeah. And they, some of them were, as I called them, ugly babies, <laughs> but they were records. Okay, <laughs> just made me snort. Ugly <laughs> babies, I like that. Yes, you know, yes. no, right. you know, and I tell people not do not do speaking engagements. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no mother has ever had an ugly baby, right? Okay, no matter how yes. ugly this child is, okay, and it takes a while for the mother to appreciate. Oh, my baby little homie, right. but I still love her, right? So, as the same thing with anything you you create as an artist, yes. your first one, oh my God, that's right. the bomb, right? And that's the problem you have when you have that, and people are not honest with you. Yeah, look, dude, that's not as tight as you think it is. It could yeah. be better. Yeah. You ain't you got you to crush him, but be honest yeah. with him. And I tell people, and even when I wrote my book, and I said, mm-hmm. don't cheerlead me, man. Right. Don't be a cheer. Don't be a cheerleader, no, yeah, dude. Man Tell me yeah. what's up so I can. Yeah. It's digital. I can make the adjustments. Yeah. Okay. And that's yeah. that's something I think that we're lacking today. Just the honesty of keeping it real with a person. Especially, I man. How'd you like my book? 
oh man, uh, you know, I get a lot of positive praises, and I tell them I t- again, I tell them, man, don't just tell me that because I'm in your face, right? And go behind my back and say something different, right, say something else. So hey, that's but like for me, I did like it because it did. You each section, you talked about things in an honest manner, like you said, from your perspective, how you saw it, and you didn't pull any punches. No, and I, was, I, and I felt like you were talking to me. Oh, thank you. you know I mean, it's, it's a thank great, it's a great, it's a great book because it's your memoir, basically. And they say it's a prequel to, you know, basically the straight out of Compton. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, oh, uh, when I was writing this book, it took me about five years to put it all together. Okay. Okay. okay? I'd actually started writing the book long before straight out of Compton was, uh, in, in, in production. Okay. And one of the, one of my main adversaries died. Oh. And you have to understand, this Roger Clayton is a guy from Uncle Jam's Army. Yeah, I saw they were concerts you back in the day. He yep. and I were the we were the nitro and the glycerin mm-hmm. that drove the West Coast fire. Mm-hmm. And I was writing my book just to spite his ass. Okay? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, I was I was going to get my book out first. Yeah. Yes, because yes. you know that's what we did to yes. each other. Right, right. And then he died. He's like, how you gonna die? Y'all, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna win by default, but so right. speak. Right. So you know, it it, it kind of took the win out of my yeah. sales for a minute, yeah. and the book kind of went on the back burner. And um, then when I got word there was a movie coming out, and then I started hearing and seeing different me depicted in a very trivial light. Yeah. Okay. Lonzo or first I was Lonzo, a friend of Dre's. Then I was a local club owner. Then I was a local DJ turned <sighs> club owner. And then ho 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 back up, back right. up. I was just some club promoter. Like hello. You know, I was that dude. Okay. Yeah. You know, I started this whole thing. I was the first mobile DJ in Compton. I so I remember that. Because I was I'm from South Central and everything and I'm from that time period. And I remember seeing I mean handmade flyers back right. then. Right. I mean, there was no Photoshop and no. there was no Kinkos and it was just like it was handmade flyers and I remember seeing you guys pass things out and that's how I found out about things. I fell in love with DJing and I was 14 years old. Yeah. There were no mobile DJs back then. Right. There was a, a radio DJ that I saw DJing at Campanella Park in Compton how funny. How funny. that made me want to be a DJ. I thought it was so cool that he yeah. could sit there and have people respond to him the way he was doing Yes, and the guy still on the air right now is Roland Bynum. Oh, okay. He's, he's a yes. candidate yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 Later on when I, I was Blessed to get a scholarship to go to broadcast school, yeah. And I, on a, as a field trip, he was on. He was at KGFJ, oh, yeah. and I told him, "I want your job." I never <laughs> wanted to. Really, I never really yeah. wanted to be in radio, although I am anyway. He's in, he's in radio, folks. Right. Tuesdays and Thursdays, he has a show. You know, yeah. Although I am anyway, but yes. that was not my forte because I've always been self conscious of the way I spoke. Oh, I used to have a very bad, very bad lisp. Oh, and wow. I, and if okay. I don't take my time right now, yeah, you won't yes. understand the word I'm saying. So I have to <laughs> yes. really focus. I'm getting, I've gotten better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten yeah. much better. But yeah. these are the things that I had to show because it's a, it was a evolution for not only for me, mm-hmm. but the, the music as well, the, mm-hmm. the party scene. I've watched the party scene for the last past 40 years. Yeah, I know. Oof. I know. 40 years. Okay. Yeah, I know. I how do we look good? I don't know how that, I don't know how that works. I got a lot of just for men on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My eyebrows are dying. <laughs> <laughs> just for men. You see, I didn't do it, obviously. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, but yeah, that's, you know, that's, you make a good point. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. You wanted to, you wanted, in this book, and you say that basically, you wanted to have yourself portrayed from your words. This is me. Right. This is me. This is, I take this and this is me. When, when, when Straight Out of Compton came out, a lot of people were upset because a lot of people weren't mentioned. I'm sure. Okay. What about JJ Fair? What about Michelle? Yeah, right. 
understand it wasn't the JJ fan. It wasn't the <laughs> straight out. Of, it wasn't Michelle A story. No. They were a part of that, but you could not tell that story in two hours. No, you couldn't. This story yeah. for the West Coast hip hop. And I have the book and the blueprint right here. Yes, it is. That's this right. is a mini series. Okay, <laughs> it is. no, it is. No, it is. This, is, this, this yeah. is a series mm-hmm. like The Wire. Okay, mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. how I'm pitching it to everybody. Anybody I talk to, you need to look at this right here as another empire, another mm-hmm. power, yes. because it starts off in the early seven, late seventies. Disco Alonso, and, and it still it still transitions yeah. into the new millennium. Yeah. To a, to a degree that nobody does, ever right, thought. Right. Does. So you have the the Lonzo Uncle Jam's army early mm-hmm. years. You got the feuds and the fights. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fights that nobody came, no, nobody came up dead behind. Yeah. You know. Right. Snatch right. my poster down. I'm gonna put something on you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you're gonna live to talk about it. Yeah. We're gonna shake hands after. But yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you know I don't like that. Right. And how the how when I used to DJ at parties mm-hmm. in Compton. For Regina Chaley High School, oh, yeah. the only security guards we had was the nuns. Oh, funny! Yeah, 150 kids in there, and all yeah. we had was nuns with rulers, no belly yeah. clubs, just rulers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they ran it. I don't know, you know they did. They ran it. No, they know they did. Okay. Yeah. So when I see you have to go to in order to have an event anywhere, you have to have a massive security force. Uh, a huge insurance insurance policy, a guarantee law time, <coughs> yeah, yeah, right times, a guarantee. Yeah. So you know. That's, you know, as a promoter, I've watched these things decline and evolve and turn into what it is right now. Yeah, this is a good glimpse, folks. So when you read this, you get a glimpse of the late 70s, early 80s scene. Uh, you really do paint a picture. And like my, I, I made a, a little reference, but there, first there was Disco Lonzo. First it was Disco Lonzo. Talk about that a little bit. Man, Disco Lonzo was a, was a, was a starving DJ. Fresh out of broadcast school, couldn't, didn't want to get a job. Well, I had, was offered a job in Mississippi, but oh, unfortunately okay. my mom had, uh, she had cancer. Mm. And I was, after I got out of broadcast school, I was kind of the family, I was designated by the family to take her back and forth okay. to her treatment, so I couldn't okay. leave. Yeah. And, uh, the disco era was jumping off. Yes, it was. There weren't a lot of, <coughs> weren't a lot of black discos that I could, no. you know, especially not in LA. They were no, clubs. No. There were clubs, yeah. But they they played disco yeah. music, but yeah. they, they had a disco night. Yes. And I'm only, that. at this time, I'm like 19. You yeah. can't really play up in here. So, no. No. um, I had, uh, my, some of my boys were starting to do dances at different hotels. Fine. They had older brothers. They go in there and oh, rent the yeah. hotels. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they need a DJ. So me and a few, me and a couple other guys, Became some the, the the on the roster. Yeah. Okay, I'd I'd already started doing mobiles. I was doing with wedding receptions yeah. and bar mitzvahs and uh, luau's yeah. most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then yes. I would do a black party, and in doing that because I was disco Lonzo, mm-hmm. it you know it gave me a gave me a name, yeah. and because I had I was taught in. Uh, elementary, not elementary, but junior high and high, how to high school, how to use power tools. I made this big plexiglass sign that said Disco Lanza. Oh, so when people hired me, they saw my name. Yeah, and definitely. Because they saw my name, they thought they thought I was doing the event. Yeah. So I be- I became bigger and bigger, and I had all of a sudden I developed a following. Yeah. And it, you know it was like. Okay, and at some point in time, disco died. So, so did disco Lazo. <laughs> it did, it sure did. You saw, you saw about that too. And it did, it did. And like totally, yeah. like okay, disco's gone. Like yeah. it came as when it, it came as went as fast as it came. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, you talk about this. I open this up because this one other chapter too that was really good. What I had to deal with. 
Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, you talk about being, and this is a good lesson for anybody who, who says, I want to be this or that, but there's a business behind it. Right. Talk about that a little bit. Cause it's like, cause you had to really have some hard knocks to learn. You know, Dude, I mean, which one? Which hard knock you want me God, to talk about? You, to, yeah, you mentioned the like, po- you mentioned like 20 of them the in The police here. messing with yes. me. My old man and the owner of the club threatening me from the very beginning. Uh, being, not being a gangster per se. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Not, 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 I never was a gangster, but I would handle my business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I got challenged a lot because I wasn't a gangster. And you weren't part of a set. Of I wasn't part of a set. No. So, you know, I was solo in my own neighborhood and right. I wasn't known for this. So how do we do this? So I had my fellas in the neighborhood that kind of stood behind me, but we were, we never were a gang, but don't do this over here. Okay. They protected that facility. Got it. Okay. And uh, if there was ever, if there was ever a problem, I knew who to call. Yeah. And the people always says, did Dre ever throw out? No, Dre was too young. I could, he wasn't on that team. Right. Okay. Right. You know, well, you know, well, how, how come, how come you didn't call him? Well, look, I understand. I'm eight years older than Dre. That's a big difference. What I'm dealing with as a grown man, you can't handle as a kid. Nope. Okay. Nope. So, you know, sometimes nope. people try to uh, misconstrue that as me dissing him. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm not going to call teenagers to get in grown folk business. That's right. Okay. And the same right. thing for Cube. I'm yeah. not, you know, dude, you was 14. Yeah. When I met him, he was 15. He yeah. was 15 going on 14 going on 15. Yeah. And you cool, but you, you know, you a kid. I have grown mm-hmm. folk business I have to de- deal with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you ain't on that team just yet. So you saw something in both of these two gentlemen. And actually in your book too, you have a, you say that Mr. O'Shea Jackson really, when you got, when things were parted, it was a good party. Yeah. Well, that he took care of business. We never had a problem. You know, he came to me as a young kid. We, he, we actually, I actually signed him to CBS right. before Wrecking Crew, yeah. his group's, uh, CI, Serial Crew. Yeah. And, um, when Larkin Arnold, my, uh, executive producer of World yeah. Class Wrecking Crew, yeah. asked me, did I have a group? I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I got one. I, I got, got one. one. I got one. I, I got yeah, one. hold on. I'll be right back. Yeah, so right. we ran to the studio yeah. and put together a demo. Dre put together a demo for him. They got signed to a single deal. Yeah. They also got dropped before we did. Which happens too. And, uh, when I saw him, and it's funny, man, I, t- I told somebody just, just, just the other day, when Ice Cube left my house, he was 17 years old wow. on his way to Arizona State. Wow. I never saw him again until the night of the movie premiere. Also, all this whole time you've I've never, never run into I've, him. We never. I I don't jock. Okay. Oh, funny! Wow. And, when, wow. and not that I would be jocking him, but yeah. he blew up so fast. He did. And he moved to the valley. I don't. You know, actually, I got lost coming down here, yes, man. I do. Okay. Yes, I do. Uh, so um, we never crossed paths. Yeah. And at night of the premiere. Clientele and I were walking around taking pictures with various folks, and uh, he was able to get us get me past to Cube's uh, his his uh, bodyguards or whatever. And Cube looked her over, hey, how's on? What's up, Cube? <laughs> and man, he was they got hey man gave me a big hug oh, and put wow. me hey man dude I want to thank you man it's been a long time oh, and I have I've always wanted to thank you for allowing us us little knucklehead kids to be around your house man you put us on you put us on the team blah blah yeah. blah and I just want to say thank you man you know and that to me that meant a whole lot nice to hear that it's nice it, to hear it that. really it really did mean a lot man mm-hmm. and you know cause at first I was mad at everybody yes, I know, yes. you talk about that too yes I was a little, a little bitter I was a little bitter cause you know <coughs> as much as you've done as yeah. much as you know I've done for this I still have to do other things to survive yeah. yes you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah. you know it's like 
I'm not saying I want to, I would like a, uh, one, I like one of them no show jobs. Oh, yeah, really, <laughs> like really, really. Yes. You know, right. But you know, I'm not saying I, they, they owe me anything, but you know, it would be nice to be appreciated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, to acknowledge that meant a lot for yeah, me. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, Dre, same thing. Have you talked to him ever or seen him? Since? I saw Dre, uh, there at the movie set. Okay. And it was the same thing. Okay. I was, uh, on that, um, I went the first day to, and I met Corey. Okay. And then I went to take my son back to meet Corey. Okay. Okay. And as I was sitting there, Dre showed up. He was talking to somebody. And again, I'm not one of them guys. Hey, no, I don't do that. So I went over and put myself in his line of sight. If he wanted to acknowledge me, he could. And and I could acknowledge him. I didn't want to, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. So hey, he looked. Hey, Lonzo. Oh man, <laughs> walked over, gave me a big hug. We talked for about two or three minutes. I said, "Look who I brought with me." So I had my other partner with me, yeah. unknown DJ. Oh, okay, okay. Unknown yeah. was unknown was actually the guy that brought great Dre to my attention. Yes. Okay. And they hadn't seen each other in God knows how long wow. either. So Dre's sitting there talking to us for like forty five minutes, and I'm noticing somebody got cameras, cameras all over the place, just oh, videotaping funny. it. Oh, funny. And um. So later on, he talked to us like 45 minutes till he just could not stay any longer. Uh, F. Gary Gray called him over for something, so he had to go. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And he said, y'all hang out, don't leave, you know, I'm gonna talk to y'all a little bit later on. So later, about, yeah, about an hour or so later, I was outside on the phone, and I was standing by this big van. And I noticed Dre and his people get, you know, walking out of the, out the, out the, out the club where the set was, into the van. And as they passed by, I threw up the peace sign. The van rolled about 10 feet. I stopped again. All of a sudden, Drake comes out and the, the, the area gets dark because he got these huge bodyguards. Oh. <laughs> it's like an eclipse, right? Yeah, yeah, like, whoa. I'm standing on the phone. I'm like, yeah. he said, hey man, are you leaving? I said, no, nah, what's up? He said, my character and your character after lunch will be doing a part together, a scene together. Come sit with me in Video Village. Oh, funny. So the whole thing that, you know, the whole, the whole scene with me cussing him out, yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah, my yeah. Jerry Curl, yeah. we sitting there together. Wow. You know, him, and he asked my opinion. I said, you know, that's very Lonzo-esque. He's cussing, yeah. he's cussing very well. He uses the A, take the A off, take, take the R off of Oh, okay. yes, got it, right, got it, right, and, got you know, it, yeah, Make right. it Mo Street, yeah. and we're sitting there laughing, and as, and as I'm talking, the little lady in the front, she's, I guess she's the script director, and she don't know what's going on. She's like, that Lonzo character surely cusses for a lot, doesn't he? I says, he sure oh, does, he doesn't it? he? Yeah, yeah, he has yeah, a filthy yeah. mouth, don't he? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we, it was all good, Doc. Yeah, it was all that's good. good. That's good. Um, you know, and you do break down, like, certain people, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to know, because I, in some of your chapters, are titled to certain people, and I want to ask you just kind of, again, to elaborate a little bit. Um, Jerry Heller. I knew you were going to go there. I had to go there. I had to go there. A little bit. I had to go. I mean, you talk about it. It was the whole pre-NWA thing and all stuff, but you talk about it. I mean, you really do. Jerry Heller was my manager before he was, uh, he was, he, I'm sorry, he, re- he, rep- he repped World Class Wrecking Crew mm-hmm. before EZE. Yeah. And, um, I met him at McCola. And he was kind of working on different things, and him, he and his partner had a uh, management company. Mm-hmm. They managed a dream team, and I had another I manager. Too, yeah. at, I had another manager at, at the time, so I really didn't need him to manage me. Okay. And when the CBS deal came about, my old manager, he didn't want us to go to the majors. Mm-hmm. We would we were. We were doing quite well as independents. Yeah. He told me, "Hey, man, if you, excuse me, if you go to majors, you go to the majors, you're gonna get a pile of money. But 
They're going to put you on the shelf. They're going to hold us. They're going to do that. They're going to do that. Okay. And so the fears there are just kind of. Right. Yeah. He's had that experience before. If they don't really understand what, you, what yeah. you're doing, they're going to they're gonna shelf you. Mm-hmm. And they're going to interrupt your career. And But I'm doing great. I, you know, I, I got nightclub money. I just yeah. bought a house. Yeah, you're doing just, fine. But I, my, my boy's not. Yeah, okay. They, you know, they kind of still struggling. Yeah. So I took the deal, and everybody got paid. Contrary to belief, everybody got okay. paid. Okay. How you spend your money ain't my problem. Okay. okay? okay. But you got paid. You got your money. Yeah. yeah. And um, and well, Jerry wanted to be our manager in the transition from one manager to another. Yeah. And because I'm a businessman from way back. Yeah. I'm like, well, if I do, if I sign with you now, mm-hmm. that's twenty thousand. Yes. That for a deal I already got. Okay, got it. Right. You didn't bring me this deal. No. I was sought after mm-hmm. by CBS or right. they sent a headhunter yeah. to bring bring me and half of Macola right. to Sony at the time right. for um a a, a a stagnant meetings. For we had meetings at one thirty, two thirty, three thirty, wow. four thirty, five thirty. Okay. Wow. And CBS we got the deal and I mean uh Reckon Crew got the deal and um it was for me after I thought about it because he didn't make that twenty grand. Yeah. Okay. He may have n- not cho- preferred not to work with me as closely okay. because I know how, the questions to ask. Yeah. Okay. And not saying anything negative, but some people prefer to deal with folks that they can influence yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And um, my lawyer and I cut the deal with CBS, saved twenty thousand dollars, and I cut it up with the fellas. Got it. They didn't even they didn't realize what I'd done until later on. Got it. Okay, so because uh, if because we cut at that time our first album, Wrapped in Romance, on CBS was a um, it was done. It was one of the first from the first uh, albums done completely electronically. Mm, okay. We didn't have any musicians. Oh wow. We had well we had one keyboard player. Yeah. And Dre played the drums and the keyboard player played the keyboards and when they heard it they're like, "Okay, great." Uh they they saw the, our invoices from the studio. You only spent how much money? <laughs> so, when we got through, we ended up cutting up like 87,000 of the 100,000 wow. as opposed to 67,000. Right. And, you know, sometimes when you uh do things like that. It's like, uh, he's a smart one. Okay. Yes. yes. Well, that's cool because Wilcox Wrecking Crew, especially, which I, cause I remember, of course, and you guys were some great balladeers on there. It's yes. kind of funny. I mean, I mean, everybody knows Trump Lights, of course. Everybody right. knows that song, and I have the 12 inch still of that and all that. Um, and the look, which you talk about, I love you talk about that in the, I think about that in the book. You know, the look. I tell people all the time. The jackets. That look, I love it. That look that we had as World Class Wrecking Crew was strictly, uh, of the time. Yeah, it was. You know, it's like it right now, everybody got tattoos from their right. toenails to their eyebrows. Right. Okay. And like I tell them, I said, at one point in time, them tattoos are going to go out of style. That's true. And I could, I cut off my Jerry Curl. I actually had left. <laughs> <laughs> my Jerry Curl left. Yes. But them tattoos. Yeah. And all them yeah. butterflies, one day going to turn into bats. <laughs> and you're going to wish you hadn't had them tattoos. Okay. Yeah, people, people forget that, you know, back then, also, you guys were kind of, some of you guys were modding yourselves off of rock stars at the time, and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a big, and then disco people, it was, a, it was the whole flash, and it was, it was a story. I am a, I call, I consider myself a hip-hop hybrid. Okay. Because I was born in the 50s. Oh, raised yeah. in the 60s. Yeah. I'm partying in the 70s. Yeah. I'm a full-grown man in the 80s, yeah. and not, new millennium, I'm kicking my, 
something this ain't gonna this ain't gonna go yeah, too well okay, okay and because i was influenced by the temptations dramatics mm-hmm. and george clinton funkadelic oh, yeah, you, you know go. i got all this in me man no, right, i got right. all this in right, me no, right. i don't just have george clinton i have right. dramatics and you know and stylistics mm-hmm. all these people affected my musical and had, had an input in my musical influence so when i when i looked at soul train mm-hmm. i never saw anybody wearing tennis shoes and jeans on no. soul train no, okay didn't. soul train was my you know with my uh visual reference okay if you're gonna be a star you gotta look like one yep that's okay? right you that's can't right. you know and when run dmc went to this hardcore street look mm-hmm. and uh that's what draining wanted to take wrecking crew well like now no that's not that ain't what we do no okay right we you know even back in even in uh on the on the east coast um uh my man uh cool modi yeah was always leather from head to yes, toe. He, yes, he okay? was. Yes, he was. You know, and people talk about world class wrecking crew, but Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five—they wore feathers. Yes, they did. They had feathers. Oh, they, 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 they had no shame. They said they had no shame. It was all hey, about. Man. They said it was saw, about showmanship. Exactly. Show, okay? Exactly. It was about exactly. showmanship. Exactly. So people act like we actually wore these suits around the house to the mall. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> these were costumes we wore on stage. When, right. I, when we right. got off the stage, we put on regular street clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, put our hats on. Whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. and you know we didn't wear this to the mall, right? Okay. Exactly, right. It was like you wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to wear the feather outfit with this, I, with the fringe." Okay, no, so you, yeah. you know it just it's just amazing, man. How people can be sometimes they can be a little little blockheaded when it comes to well, you know it's so funny because like back then, like I said, I was going to shows, I've seen Nucleus and Uncle Jan's Army and you guys, and it's like it was a visual experience, right? It was kind of bare bones on some level, but also a visual show right. at the same time, right? You gave a show. Man, look! I was I came out dripping wet, sweating from dancing and yelling. We, and when Wrecking Crew walked on stage, we we always analyzed our competition, not the open act. Mm. We saw everybody's competition. Got it? Okay, we here to steal the show. Mm-hmm. We got I butts handed to us a couple of times, messing with Zap. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, Zap. We well, got that hello. Messing yes. with Zap. Yeah, but you know. All the people, yes. that we couldn't stand to play behind. Was the boys? That's the, so the, funny. These guys out of car. These little kids out of car. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember these them. Little acrobatic sons. Oh, <laughs> little acrobatic cute kitty kid. Oh my god! Yes. Sit your little butt down, man. You're making me look bad. We had all. We we would rehearse and do all these. We had you know we yeah. had we had we had, a, we had a real tight show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You did. You did. I remember. And yeah. they hate. Re, Dre hated to rehearse. Oh really? It took away from his player time. Oh god. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah. His, his beeper constantly going off. The How beeper. long are we gonna be? We, Do we get it right? Yes, okay. Yeah. There's a picture of us performing at the L.A. street scene. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. And um, I you know I was always I, I'm a, I went to school when I went to Centennial. I studied oh, theater. Centennial. Okay. Yeah. I studied theater. I studied theater at El Camino College. Uh, I went to El Camino. Yeah. Okay, I studied you know. lighting at El Camino College. When I was a DJ, I carried lights around, okay, okay. In, in my in my van. Yeah. So I understood some of the principles mm-hmm. of theatrics and stage performances, mm-hmm. okay. And I was always look forward. Yes. You know, look look, look at the audience. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. And do your thing. But in this one picture, I'm the only one looking forward. Everybody looking at me. Oh, okay. And I thought that was kind of crazy because yeah. I'm the only one looked like he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is trying to look at me to make sure they was on step or whatever the case may be. <laughs> but you know, I get clowned for that. I love it. Um, Arabian Prince, my boy. Yes, and I I, I saw him in concert too. I, I love that. Arabian Prince is probably uh, one of the 
most underrated producers mm. on the West Coast. He's man. He was one. He brought Rufus their first hit record. Yeah, JJ Fast, Supersonic. Yes, Supersonic. Okay, that was a, that was Rufus's first yeah. major hit record. It was like a gold, and it, yeah. got, it was on both charts, the pop and the I, yeah. And see, um, my I had formed a company mm-hmm. called um, West Coast Record Distributors. Yeah. Because we got tired of Makota. we everybody got educated. Yes, you talk about that. Oh, yeah. Everybody got educated, and we got tired of Makota. Yeah. We formed our own company, and JJ Fad was one of the first groups that Rudy Rudy Pardee from the LA Dream Team, Pardee, yeah, brought to West Coast, and we kicked it off. Yeah, okay. And, and, and the crazy part about it was, it was not the single. The other record on the flip side was the single. Uh, okay, J, somebody flipped it over, and oh, this is tight. Yeah, and. It started. We got it. We got it played on KD because Greg Mack loved us all. Yes. And um, shortly after that, they offered my man Rudy a pile of money. And Arabian went went to Ruthless and and um, did the album along with Dre. Yeah. And then he joined the NWA. Now yeah. you won't you won't know that by the movie because he yeah. wasn't there. He wasn't there. Yeah, he was in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Arabian Prince. And uh, it's funny you bring up. Uh, Greg Mack. Greg KDA, Mack. KDAY. Anybody from Los Angeles uh-huh. from that time period knows. I mean, I know, I think KDAY now is on AO, well, FML, yes. whatever. Yeah. I'm, talking, I'm talking about 1580. Right. KDA. Right. I mean, that was like, I was almost cussed. That was the stuff <laughs> right. back in the day. Look, you know. And he, it, did, it, he did 40, your book too. Yeah, you know, yeah. Greg and I, at back in the day, we didn't realize how much we needed each other. Mm. Okay. We did and we didn't. Right. Okay. Cause we both were bosses in yes. our own yes. right. Yes. Yeah. I'm right. I got the streets on lock. Right. Okay. He got the airways. Yeah. That's I'm bringing that. him records from the streets. He's providing promotion for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, I a mean, real collaboration. It was a great man. Look, dude, it was, it was something it was like I, in the book. I say this. Mm-hmm. We had a trifecta that you could never, McCola, Rick, Lonzo and Greg Mack yeah. had a had a trifecta that could never be duplicated wow. because you got an independent record company yes. with independent artists yes. with an independent radio station. Yeah. As you as we very well know, most of the radio stations now are owned by corporations. Yes, they are. Yes. Or they're, they're smaller independent yes. you know, yeah. smaller uh, uh, situations. Yeah. And when I first met Greg he he wasn't that up on hip hop. He comes from, from Texas. Yeah, as you were saying. And, yeah. and I always clowned and I, I met him and he reminded me of, he reminded me of Yosemite Sam. <laughs> he got this big hat on, these cowboy boots, and he got this big long yellow cat. Oh, how okay? funny. I love and it. We go to lunch and hang out and shortly after that I I played Greg, I gave him one of my uh, mixes that Dre well, I was selling on the street that Dre had done and he was like, I wanna bring these every week to K Day. I want right. to do a, a show called a traffic jam. I remember that. Oh my god, I remember and that. I'm like traffic jam. Yes. Okay, so what's the yes. deal? Uh, I need one. I need a mix every day, huh? So every day you did. You had one, didn't you? Every day, mm-hmm. every day, I would drive from the studio because Dre would wait. The mix had to be done. Had to be in. Had to be played by five o'clock. Dre would wait to three thirty. Of course, four o'clock. Of course, start doing the mix. Okay, and he put a mix together, and I had to drive through traffic. In LA, LA, folks. LA, LA folks. To get there by five o'clock every day. I could not get them to do two in a day. I could oh, really? get, I could oh, no. But I got smart. I let Dre do one, Yellow do one. Dre oh, do there one, you go. Yellow there you go. One. So, um, I tried to get them both to do them on the same day. So I, had, I only had, had to make that trip maybe two or three times a week after that's a while. That's good. That's good. And then, um, in exchange for that, Greg gave us used tape and commercials for our, our spot dudos. That was Ooh, featured okay. in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, there is, this one makes me just chuckle a little bit because it's kind of funny. Chapter 38 okay. is one page. Okay. But it's not even a page. It's a, it's a paragraph. MC Ren. MC Ren, you know. Because even in the film, it wasn't that much in the, either in the film either. Of all the characters. Yes. If you look at various pictures of in the NWA, okay, there's mm-hmm. sometimes there's 22 guys in the picture. Mm-hmm. I know all of them. Mm-hmm. I never really got to know Ren. So Ren funny. was the only one I, I had to put him in the book because yeah. he's a member of NWA. Yeah. I can't recall ever having a conversation said. with Ren. Okay, we may have, but it, we never really had. He never was in Wrecking Crew. He was one of the few members of NWA that didn't come from uh, McCola oh, or right. Crew Cut. Right. Okay. He was one of Easy's guys, and, yeah. Dre, and, and I saw a documentary where Dre said he lived between Dre and Easy over in Compton, yeah. and you know he was always cool. Yeah. You know he never had much to say. Yeah. In fact, I tell you something else that's crazy. Most of the guys, Dre, Easy, and Yella. Well, all introverts. Oh, interesting. They don't do no talking unless you uh, talk to them. Oh, got it. Unless there's a woman involved. Okay. Yella right. and Dre, they, they blossom like peacocks when females come around. But, um, Cube yeah. has always been the alpha. Yeah. He's always well, been, that. he's always been the kind of guy he is, you know. And even as a young guy, you yeah. know, he's always been I that guy. That. And it's funny with, with Ren because he does have, he did put out a good solo album and he did some other work and some and some other solo stuff he did but just I just thought that was really like it was like a quick just like that was out of respect yes that was out good. of respect I could not leave him out of the book because yeah. he is a part of the whole yeah. situation yeah but I just don't have much I can't I can't say nothing about him <laughs> and you do mention Michelle yes of course my girl I love yes. Michelle yeah I mean how, I mean how did I mean when I first heard when I first heard um. Not nicety, but when I first turned off the lights, back when we were World Class Wrecking Crew, and I was like, this voice is amazing, like powerful, amazing. Then I heard her speak. Yeah. Man, look, it's, it, understand, understand my position from back in the day. Everybody brought me somebody. That's so funny. That could sing, rap. They yeah. had, they had frogs. I got a frog that could rip his butt off, man. <laughs> I got a dog. He could bark. He could, oh, he could bark <laughs> and beat the whole nine yards. And when Michelet was brought to me, I just got off, got, just got off tour. Just got home on Sunday. Never forget it was a Sunday evening. I just got off the plane. I phone rang and one of I forgot the guy's name. That's the only part I can't remember. Okay. He he I've seen him in the past. Okay. He reminds me of that. And he says, Hey, I got this girl, I want you here. Well, man, look, I, I I hear so much of that. I don't I'm even sure want, do. I don't I'm even sure want to deal do. with it right now. I got a date. Right. Okay, it's been a long tour. I yes. wasn't that lucky on tour. <laughs> I got a date. And um man, come on, Lyle, come on, Lyle, please, please, please. I, I give you just give me fifteen minutes. He comes I give him the fifteen minutes, he comes I'm right, we we're right down the street. Go in the studio. And she never says the word. The whole time we in the studio, she never says the word. So I'm waiting on her to sing. I said, "Baby, what you got?" She won't say nothing. Okay. So she turns her back to me, and she starts wailing. Oh my god! And I'm like, "Huh?" I said, "What's going on?" So what's I'm like, oh, "She must be slick. She must got a little recorder or something in her uh, chest." Okay. Or something. Yeah, yeah. So I walked around to the front of her. She kept singing. Oh, okay. And I'm like, she's. She's blowing like a son of a gun. You're gonna run, I'm sure. And, and by this time, she's comfortable. She's you know doing her thing. Yeah. And then uh, I asked, "How long you been singing?" I've been singing. Oh my oh, god! Is that crazy? What happened? Yes. What happened? And yeah. I'm like, oh my god! And I told, I just told somebody just the other day. It was something I, I think I may have put it in the book. I'm not sure. But uh, the one thing about her that always blew me away 
when she went to sing, she always wanted two strawberry shakes from Jack in the Box. Oh, how funny. Most people I've worked with want something hot. Yeah, tea, yeah, yeah. coffee. Yeah, we got for her throat stuff. But yeah. she wanted two strawberry wow. shakes. I wonder what they did for her throat. I wonder if they, the coldness maybe. Man, we never. You just the opposite. We never figured it out. But it works. Well, hey, what you need? Hey, oh, yeah, exactly. You want, you want a shake? Yeah. You get a shake. Yeah, keep singing. Yeah. Because she has, I mean, one of those underrated, again. Right. Beautiful voice. I mean, she should, in my opinion, she should be bigger than she is right now. Because she's so, she's like, she's a songstress. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. You, it's just part of, again, part of your crew. It, I was always bringing, I was kind of an open book, man. You know? Yeah. If you got it, I, I'm, and that's probably one of the people say you're too accessible. Okay. But mm. if you're not accessible, how are you going to get people, how, how are you going to find anything? You know? That's true. And, you know, I make myself accessible and I'm trying to create a few filters now because it can get a little overwhelming. But, you know, that's been one of my claims of fame. I give you a shot. That's true. That's good. I mean, it's good. It's good to be um, open and present and own your your stuff. And just just own it. This is me and this is who I am. In the book, one thing I try to point out is that as I was doing my thing, mm-hmm. there were other men that was there to give me a hand. You want to be in the record yes. business? You want to be in the club business? Come on. Mm-hmm. You want to be in the record business? Come on. You want to be a promoter? Come on. Mm-hmm. You want to be the DJ? Come on. So you want, you want to learn how to speak properly? Come on, mm-hmm. take this class. Come mm-hmm. on, let me show you show how mm-hmm. you open your mouth up. Yeah. So that's what that was kind of my, and most of the time, they told me, you have to give back. You just can't yeah. keep it to yourself. Yeah, okay, yeah. I did it for you. You got to do it to somebody else. So mm-hmm. that was my upbringing from the fellas that I work with because yeah. these guys I'm working, I'm talking about now, most of them are in their 70s and 80s sure. now if, if if they're still alive. You have some so, pictures on your, I think it's either your Facebook or Twitter where like you guys are all reunited. Right, and some right. Cool pictures. Right. And, you know, it's it's just, you know, I had a different upbringing. Yeah. You know, so that, that kind of affects how I think and how mm-hmm. I do things. You're kind of I'm I'm similar to you. I believe in the village mentality. Yeah. We come from that as African Americans, African right. part. We come from the village bring comes together. Right. And I in your book you talk about the, just how much it's like if I didn't have this person, right. that would have happened. Right. If I didn't if, if they didn't have me, this would have happened. Right. Like it really was working. It, it wasn't just Lonzo. It was no. Lonzo's influences, you right. know, and my old man, my dad uh, the club owner, the guy who gave me a shot. My my dad put me with his buddy, and yeah. you know, got me to got, got me started with that right there. Yeah. Um, when I wanted to go to Dudos, old man owned Dudos. He yeah. was a record guy. Okay, he didn't he didn't just own a facility. He owned Dutone Records. Dutone Records. Dutone Records. Yeah. Dutone Records yeah. had Richard Pryor, uh, yes. Red Fox. They yes. was a comedy label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he also had a room that held, held like two thousand people. Yeah. And he showed me how he sold his records and what he did and how he made his money in the record business. Wow. So, it, you know, then, you know, it was always somebody there that was, if you applied yourself and put yourself in a, in a position of humbleness. Yeah. You know, and I find that even right now, if you try to give it to a lot of these kids, that I know, I do this, I do that. Look, man, if you do, you'll be doing it already. Yeah, when they say, I know, ah, oh, my God, I just, yeah. like, I have kids, they're grown. And I'm, when they say, I know, I just, I tune out. So they say, right. I know. Right. I'm like, but then you should, you wouldn't be coming to me. Right. First of all. So right. you're the same thing, right? Right. Oh, my God. So, there, you know, back then there was there was Crew Cut Records. There was Reckless Records. Right. Ruthless Records. I mean, you talk about a little bit about that, too. That's, you talk about that in the book a little bit. It's just like uh, these these record labels that were being started... And some make it, and some morph into something else. Right. You know, uh, my poor, my boy Unknown said something yesterday. You know, okay. he said, um, "We've always 
been kind of out front of whatever we did. Yeah. And usually you look up, we so far out front, people behind us like, <laughs> all right, whatever y'all doing, I'm yes, doing next. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah. And we started making these underground records mm-hmm. and we made a killing. Wow. And basically it was, you know, just doing a bunch of mixes. We, I bought a multi-track studio, a multi-track uh, recorder mm-hmm. and, uh, some 1200 turntables and we were wow. able to do, duplicate what we heard in New York. Now we didn't wow. invent it. We didn't right. invent all right, it. All right. We right. just made it, made it more West Coast palatable. Got okay. It. Because the West Coast didn't have the same thing. We was playing, playing these records in the clubs mm-hmm. and because some of the songs weren't, what weren't West Coast records. Yeah. They kind of, the, the groove would fall off. So we yeah. started doing them ourselves. And we looked up, everybody was doing the same thing. So when we, we started making legitimate records, we had the same issue. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. everybody's like, I'm giving dances. Everybody giving dances. Everybody, you know, we giving, we, we doing the underground mixes. Everybody doing the underground mixes. It used to be a time when you walk into a, to a VIP records. All you saw was either Lonzo's or Andre's records. Funny. Uh, we had Scratch Party, uh, Crew Cut, I mean, Cut Up, Crew, uh, Cut Up, Z Rock, Scratch Party were all the labels. All of a sudden, some people figured out what we were doing, right. and they had a whole wall, but they don't have the same integrity. Right. And they're not selling. Right. So it, the whole game just kind of got ruined, and, and the same, then we moved on to legitimate records. Yeah. And the same thing happened there. You know, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, Wrecking, Wrecking Crew is the bomb, then you got, well, I, I got it back up. Uh, Egyptian Lover dropped before we did. Yeah, Egyptian, I, mean, I was a huge Egyptian Lover fan. He so. dropped before we did, so yes. we, and because he was a part of Uncle Jam's army. Yes. I yes. had to hurry up and catch and drop something right yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, when we, yeah. that's when I grabbed Dre and we dropped Juice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah right, we dropped yes. Juice right behind that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was kind of, uh, it was always a competition, a race to the mm-hmm. top for mm-hmm. us, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's how we did. That's how we did things. But everybody else, because we're doing this, we look up and everybody else like, okay, they, and, we, and, and just like anything else, we made it look easy. Oh, right. Okay? okay. You know, if you make something, if you do it, if you're a professional. Yes. You make it look easy. Yes, that's very true. Okay. Yes. And because it looks easy to somebody else who's not a professional. Yes. They quickly want to follow in your footsteps, oh, yeah. not oh, yeah. knowing yeah. that you had to make a lot of ugly babies. To get these, <laughs> I get, love these ugly babies. Get these cutie pies here. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so true. I mean, and, and here's what's funny because your biggest commercial hit, because you've had hits. But your biggest commercial with Wrecking Crew, of course, turned off the lights. Right. So how did that feel when it, when you when you saw that you were actually breaking into the top forty of the pop charts or the or the top ten of the I mean R and B? Like you were actually were having this huge moment. It was really crazy, man, because I got a hit record, yeah, and no crew. Interesting. I got a hit record and no crew. We made turn off the lights was the last thing yeah, I saw that they agreed to do <laughs> before leaving Crew Cut. Right. Okay. And nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted Michelle to sing it. I had to write the entire song, every word, everybody's part, the hook, the whole nine yards. And when I did it, that was my first time actually writing a complete song. I've always written my parts. Okay. Okay. I've always contributed to the writing of the songs, but that was the first time I wrote an entire song by myself. And it was patterned after our previous so-called biggest hit, which was Lovers. Yes. That's not too, yes. And, I've always believed, go with what works. Juice and okay. Surgery were great club records. Yes, they were. But Lovers got us working. Lovers got us on the radio even more. And we, when we go into Lovers, they hear that, okay. the crowds would go crazy. Oh, yeah. I remember. So oh, yeah. if you listen to Turn Off the Lights, we threw that in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Just for familiarity. Mm-hmm. And, excuse me, 
when I decided to, when I, when I, when I was down to my last few dollars and I got to put my money on the pass line and I'm shaking the dice, yes. I'm going with the uh, slow jam. Right. Okay. I'm, right. a, I'm a bit on the slow jam. Right. And nobody wanted to do that. By that time, they were, um, they were kind of hell bent on doing more street stuff. And I said, oh, maybe we can get back to it, but we need a single that's going to get us back to work. Right, exactly. We need, we need something that's going to get us eaten, get us back on the radio. Right. And um, they did. we did turn off the lights, and we did it like in September, October of 87, I believe it was. Yeah. And um, we broke up, and in the following year, 88 it was a, it was a negro national anthem <laughs> it was it was, you know, it was huge it was huge it was huge and the phone is ringing yeah you have not, you i have no band and i'm almost in prince mode i don't want to tour because ah, prince. <laughs> i don't want to tour because i don't have my fellas anymore <laughs> right and that was one thing jerry heller did he said look man you they offering you anywhere from 5 to 7000 dollars you know already missed about 40 Okay, oh you need to get over yourself. Okay, okay? pull something together. So right. I grabbed uh, my boy Richie Rich Richie and this Rich, little skinny yeah. kid named Battle Cat. Yeah. Okay, Battle Cat's a major producer right now, and Battle Cat and Mona Lisa, who the song was oh, actually, yeah. she was the Turn Off Life was actually written for Mona Lisa. Oh, funny. Okay, but she wasn't available. Okay, and Michelle got called up from the minor right. leagues, right? Playing the big, playing the big leagues, and changed everything. She delivered, and she delivered. So, yeah. you know, people don't understand. You know, pe- people don't understand the details of how things happen. No, she just wasn't on roofless. She right. was, she was right. over here, and luck. You know, luck got her where she is. Okay, right. I never got to thank you though. Never got to thank you. I did, but it came with, oh, I thought he didn't pay me, which was uh, not true. Okay. That was like, man, that was like the kiss of death yeah, back in the day. I you know, remember, if yeah. you heard people say you didn't, Ooh, you didn't pay, know, and, and, and I kept, you know, I tell people all the time, whether or not I didn't pay people, it's just that they thought they were entitled to more money than they were getting. Okay. Okay. And because you're dealing with kids, you know. Yes. You give them thirty five hundred dollars, they're gonna be broke on Friday. You give them thirty five hundred on Friday, Monday they're gonna they're gonna be broke. There's a term um, that you use and I use too about that about um, the kind of money you get when you suddenly get money, and uh, I can't use it on here, but you know what I'm talking about. Right, I totally do. Yes, and I love that you used it. I was like, oh, I use that same word. I know that word. Yeah, Uh, those words. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of funny when people Nigerian money. Yeah, right, exactly right. Nigerian rich. Right, yeah, exactly. I was like, what's the use the words? But I think it's just it's really interesting. But no. I mean, your book was just so... It was great, because it really gives you a time. It really is a template for a movie. Thank or you. a miniseries. That was my whole intention when I, when, yes. I, when I laid it out, man. I you know, I, I told him, I told myself, when I first wrote it, I poured my heart out to my ghostwriter. I got to give a shout out to my girl, Donna okay. Shannon. Hey. She, she typed every word. Okay. But she, you know, she interviewed me, and we did this, took us like about eight months okay. to do this the first manuscript okay got it. first manuscript was 900 pages Ooh. there's two more books it's, it's, it's still on my computer oh, good, good, okay good because I get had, them out there get I them left, out there I left stories out because I had to lay the foundation first you did you did in this book you did you had to lay the foundation yeah. and it, oddly enough I did not I was a creative writing enthusiast in high school. Never uh-huh. ever thought I would write a book. Don't like to read that much. Be honest with you, okay? I'm gonna keep. I I, I gotta keep it 100. Yes, you do. Yes, so I like it. When I wrote this book, I had to write something that I would like to read. Okay, okay? that's fine. Because I yeah. can get distracted very easy oh. if you don't keep my attention. Okay, I would get distracted. Yeah. I would take it'll take me a year to finish a book. Okay, <laughs> oh so I had yeah. to write something that I 
when I was going to uh, Gardena High School, I went to Centennial, okay. but I graduated from Gardena. Okay, Gardena. Okay. okay I had a creative writing class. I had creative writing classes at Centennial by accident just because I was a yeah. theater major. Oh, okay. I, was, I studied theater. I'm like, why don't you try this right here? Try yeah. writing too. Yeah. And I could always tell when the teacher was reading my was reading my work because she'd look at me and start laughing. She'd be laughing and looking at me like, <laughs> oh, be shaking her head laughing because I always wrote from a comedic standpoint. Okay. Got it. My daddy's a funny dude. Yeah. Okay. And when I got to up uh, to uh, Cardina High School, they wanted me to be more in uh, get to more of the, of the contemporary artists like Gunther and folks okay. like that. Mm-hmm. I ain't feeling that. Okay. Right. I ain't what I want to do. So right. I when I got to broadcast school, I learned how to write commercials. There you go. So, and as I, and I started promoting my club, I started writing commercials for my club. There you go. So I have a series of commercials that are funny as all outdoors yeah. that I ran on K Day back in the day that I'm going to dig up and make a make a. You uh, should. I'm, I'm going to dig them up and put them on a uh, something. I might yeah. put them on iTunes or something. Just yeah. To, just because I, I still have. A, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a hoarder. Oh, yeah. So. I have all kind of stuff that I forget. Oh, that might be funny yeah. one day. Yeah, you know that yeah. might be interesting. So th- these are the things that yeah. and I tell I, when I go to schools. I tell kids, you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know where the guy next to you is going to be. Okay, so first of all, treat everybody with respect. Yes. Okay, I agree because relationships are very funny, and this music business is built on relationships. Ooh. Okay, and when I when I started doing my thing, it was like I never. If you could have, I was supposed to work for Caltrans, man. Oh, okay. I was supposed to be on the freeway picking up, you know, putting out sprinklers or cutting trees yeah. or something. I never was supposed to be Godfather of West Coast hip hop right. based on my daddy's plan. Right, right, right. So right. I tell people all the time, man. You, you always, you never know. Just do what you got to do, and you never know where you're going to end up at. It's a it's a great lesson for people that you know. It just when you if you, if you can open your eyes in the morning, the world's possible. Everything is possible. Everything's man. possible. As long as you wake up, everything's yeah, possible. You got to get a start. As long as you wake up and not in jail. What is that to you? You know that, yeah. that's that's one of the things I touch you on. Do, in, you do in, in, the, book, in yes. the back of my in the back of the book. Yeah, one of the, some of the lessons that I. People, things I have to show people that happen to me. Mm-hmm. When I listen to people say that you're not a role model, okay, that's not true. Whether you want to be or not, being a role model is a byproduct of being in anybody's spotlight. Yes. Not, you, not on television, not just on TV, right. not just on movies or whatever the case right. may be. You can be a role model in your community, mm-hmm. okay, and not even know it. Right. I have people, I've had people walk up to me, man, and say, Lonzo, you saved my life. How did I, I don't remember pulling nobody from a burning building. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't save kidding from trees. I don't dive. Right. I don't dive in front of bullets. What yes. are you talking about? Yeah, right. Guy says, "Hey man, you were you had Eve after, at Eve after dark back in the day. Oh. You had a date. You had a party. You had a contest, and it was uh, some kind of dance contest I was promoting. And he says, we, me and some of my boys was going to put some work in against another neighborhood. Yeah, and it was the f- three of us." And I chose to come to your club as opposed to go with these guys. Wow. And one of them is dead. One of them is doing life. Wow. And if it wasn't for you. Like, literally. Literally. It wasn't for you being at open at night, I'd have been there. Wow. Okay? So, these are the kind of things that wow. I've experienced that people don't understand. Is, you know, when you're out here in these streets, man, you don't know how you're affecting people. When Curtis Mayfield, Curtis Mayfield, the, the great R&B. Oh, yes. Love him. I was a little militant, man. I'm going to Catholic school. Yeah. And my mama wouldn't let me have a natural. Okay, Catholic school had a hair. Had, you had a hair limit, yes, dude. Exactly. Yes, you, did, you could yes. only have your hair so long. Yes, okay, so what yeah. I would do is I would let it grow, but I would wash it and keep it tight 
yeah. so it wouldn't make past the limit on the weekend. I combed out a little bit, okay. So when I got the, I got kicked out of Catholic school, yeah, I did. Oh well, there you go. They kicked me out of Catholic school because yeah. my old man got tired of me getting picked on. <laughs> okay, I was a skinny yeah. kid. I was a skinny kid. Yes, always you know people always picked on me. Yeah. In Catholic school, they teach you. I turn the other cheek. My yeah. old man said, "I'm tired of paying thirty five dollars a month, thirty five dollars yeah. a month for your schooling." To get you go to school and get your butt whooped. So my old man took me out back. He told he showed me a couple of moves. Okay. And next time somebody picked on me, he said, "If somebody pick on you again, you need to either do your best to win this fight, or I'm gonna whoop you up behind <laughs> myself." Right? Okay. Yeah. And the fear of my old man whooping me superseded anything anybody else you could do. do with me in school. Yeah, exactly. And I messed around there and won a fight. Wow. And my nickname in school was Stick. I was asking him. <laughs> And Stick won a fight. Okay. And Stick had three or four fights and won them all. Next thing I know, I'm king of the school. I didn't want to be king of the school. <laughs> right. But I get kicked out of school and I'm going to uh, uh, Vanguard Junior High School in Compton. Yeah, right and um, that's where I got my little bit of cool from because yeah. now I got some self confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a bully. Right. But I, you know, if you pick on me, you're gonna, right. I'm going to bring something, I'm going right. to put something on you, okay? Right. And in the early years, I was, you know, I was still influenced by Curtis Mayfield because that was when he was doing all those yeah. revolutionary songs. Yes. People get ready, oh, yeah, okay, the train yeah. to come. So then when he went to Superfly. Oh, yeah, that whole album is amazing. Yes. I was about 15 or 16 years old and I was so into Curtis Mayfield. I so bought, I bought this album, yes. bought this eight track. Eight track. Okay. That's right. But my partner had the album. Yeah, I had the album too. Okay. Yeah. And I saw. The poster for the mm-hmm. movie. The imagery, yes, on the imagery, yeah. And he had this maxi coat on. Mm-hmm. I said, oh my God. And I heard me. this music. Yeah. And I'm like, I went from being a revolutionary to a wannabe pimp. <laughs> and the picture's in the book. Yeah, they are. The picture's yeah, in, the in the book. Yeah, this picture's and it in shows the book you, yeah. shows me an, an ROTC kid with a big yeah. natural. Yeah. And a few months later, I'm doing yeah. this wannabe pimp thing. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while to try and be cool, I snort some bacon yeah. soda. For real. Okay? So I, yeah. I had to use myself as an example to show people how much influence these yeah. images have over yeah. young, impressionable minds. Yeah. And I'm a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I still got pimp on right yeah, now. I like the chain. I still I'm still got, got a certain certain yes. thing yeah. of, of yeah. that of that era I still mm. bring along with yeah. me as a grown I man. Okay. It. And these are some of the same things that these young kids are being experienced, but because things have changed so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, I was notorious for popping bra straps. <laughs> okay. Fourteen, fifteen years old, yes. pop yeah. and run. Yeah. And she chased you. Yeah. And that was foreplay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Now that's sexual assault. It sure is. You're gonna it comes complete with a uh, a trip to court, yeah. court date, maybe a probation case, yeah. a probation. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So we were allowed to make mistakes and be kids. Yeah. Nowadays, it's not. You know, the yeah. kids don't have the same leeway. And I tell yeah. my son, I have a four, fifth, 13 year old son. I tell him you have to be very careful what you do, man, because mm-hmm. his school called me one day and told me he was in the principal's office. I'm like, oh god, I gotta go, gotta go yes. handle some stuff, right? Yes. He said, no, no, yes. no, no, he's yes. okay, he's okay. Mm-hmm. What did he do? Well, he was playing with a kid. Kids play. What happened? Well, he had the boy. In a, he was play. It was horse play. He had a kid in the headlock. And the problem is, he said, "Well, they fight." He said, "No, they were just horse play. We have a no touching policy." Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, are you are you serious? Yeah. They can't touch. They can't yeah. wrestle. Yeah. They can't hold hands. Yeah. 
So these, I mean, that's what we did. Yeah. We held hands yeah. on the way to school. I mean, yeah. that you know, carry the girls' books, and yeah. you held a hand. Yeah. Okay. So these are the kind of things that I have. To, I, I feel is my obligation as a grown man yeah. to try and share with folks and let them know. You yeah. know, hey man, be careful out here because things have changed considerably. Yeah. Well, we're going to end on that because we have the, I could talk to you for two or three hours. <laughs> I mean, there's more. I just have to have you on again at another time. Please but, do. Because seriously, for me, in all seriousness, I you gave me memories. Thank you, Doc. So when I, when I think back at those time periods and going to some of the concerts and listening to the music, it gives me a warm feeling because I had such a great childhood myself. Right. And they, it actually brings a smile to my face. Okay. Right so on. Thank man. you very much that. for that. And the book is great, kid. You, everybody should read this. If you're into hip hop or into just the music business or into the eighties or anything, this book is good. And he tells you his side and gives you a glimpse into that whole time period. It's available on my web. Now, if you want to yes. get an autographed copy, yes. okay, I have a special situation. Well, if you want an autographed copy by me personally, Go to my website, LonzoWilliams.com, and I don't, not only do I send you, well, I send you a book, I have a DVD that goes along with the book, okay? Very good. And, um, my website is, uh, LonzoWilliams.com, I'm on Twitter, The Real Lonzo NWA, uh, Facebook, um, I got a bat signal, you know, I'm yes. all over the place, I still got landlines, okay? So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Much love, Doc. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And everybody, I'm James Lott Jr., host here on, on Brooks Circle Online. You can follow me at Black Hope LA on Twitter, James Lott Jr. everywhere else. Follow us on Book Circle Online on, on Facebook and YouTube, Book Circle On on Twitter, and we will see you next time. All right. Peace. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to BookCircleOnline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at BookCircleOnline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle. <laughs>